Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Let's go tonight to the book of Luke chapter 4. And uh, we want to deal with some things. And uh, I had originally started studying this, looking at this, uh, to go with what I've been teaching on understanding how to fight the fight of faith. And uh, there there are two things that the believer has to consistently be full of. And, uh, of course, the first is the Word. And the second is the Spirit. I have to be full of the Word and full of the Spirit. Now, there's reasons for both of them. We're going to touch on one main reason tonight where the Word is concerned because you have to be full of the word because it, it, it affects your standing. And, and this is important as, as we get into this. Uh, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. Notice, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through the, the entire temptation. But you'll remember three times the enemy came to him and said, you know, turn these stones into bread, uh, bow down and worship me. All the power of these kingdoms will be given to you. Uh, jump off the temple mount because uh, the angels have been given charge over you, remember? And Jesus answered him three times with the word. Now, there's a statement that I like to make, and it's this. It's, it's if you feed your spirit, your heart, the word, when you're not in trouble, your heart will feed your mouth the word when you are in trouble. And Jesus, very often, uh, there's this mistaken idea that, you know, Jesus just, uh, uh, he he was just the, the perfect model, and he had all the options, all right? And It is true that Jesus was perfect. He was perfectly divine. He was absolutely sinless. But here's the the situation. When you read through the Word, you'll see that there were things Jesus didn't know. Now people will say, well, name one. Well, Judas was stealing from the bag. And Jesus was the head of the ministry. And there's no evidence in the Bible that Jesus knew it. And I, I know what people say, well, you know he had to. No, I don't. Because there's, there's other evidences. Jesus had to operate by faith. He had to operate by the Spirit. He, he, he could not have operated in his omniscience, in his all-knowingness, and be a model for you and I. He had to be led by the Spirit. And that's why the Bible says here that Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I believe it's Matthew said he was driven by the Spirit. And and for what purpose? To be tempted of the devil. So when Jesus is in the wilderness, the temptation is coming. Jesus is full of two things, the Word and the Spirit. Now, I want to be full of the Word, and I want to be full of the Spirit, Because in times of of issues, of trouble, of problems, of temptation, the Spirit will bring to me the Word I need. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would remind us of all things. He'd bring to our remembrance all things. And so in, in this instance, very often, what people think, the Lord said to me one time, He said, uh, He said, uh, don't make the mistake of thinking that I did this just because I was Jesus. I didn't. The Holy Spirit brought me the word I needed. 
Now, I know that that's the truth because that's, what, that's who we depend on is the Holy Spirit to bring to our remembrance, amen, the things that we need. Now, this is so important to be full, and, and I'm going to say this because of our standing. Now, when I say our standing, I know that immediately we think, well, we're righteous and we are, we're holy and we're in right standing with God. We are. But it, this has as much to do with prayer as it does anything. The, the, the Lord, some months ago, you'll remember, I believe it was, it was last year, year before last, 2019, we taught for those many weeks on our authority. Well, the Lord was, was revealing things to us about our authority. There are more things that God wants to reveal. And especially where believers are concerned. Let's go over to 1 John 5. And we'll begin here. 1 John 5 and verse 14. This is a familiar verse, but when I say our standing, we'll get more into what I mean by that. Our standing at the throne of grace for others. Our standing at the throne of grace for others. When the Bible talks in the book of Ephesians and other places, it says to pray with all kinds of prayer, different types of prayer, all right? Uh, Ephesians 6 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication uh, 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 for all saints and watching thereunto, with all types of prayer. Now, many people are very adept and very versed at praying the prayer of faith. But the prayer of faith doesn't cover every situation. Because if it covered every situation, he wouldn't have told us to pray with all kinds of prayer. Different types of prayer. There is a standing that you and I have to stand for other people and stand for situations. And if I understand that and how to do that, I can affect change in that circumstance. Amen. 1 John 5 and 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, concerning Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desired of Him. Now, why is this important? What's a good illustration here? Well, listen, despite what many people are trying to do, our nation, America, is still a constitutional republic. You should say amen to that. We're a constitutional republic. All right? We are are a government of laws. All right? Amen. One man said it this way. He said, a man will never be more important than the law. Now, I know that there's those that are trying to change that. But, but here's the point. When, when you go and you are arguing your case about certain things that concern the nation, you've got to go back to the Constitution. I'm not talking about government. I'm talking about standing in, in, in the gap. But you've got to know what the Constitution says. If you're going to argue your case. Amen. Right? What, like the First Amendment of the Constitution. Talk, talking about uh, uh, freedom of speech. Amen. Now there are people that don't like that. Because it means I'm entitled to my opinion. Is that right? But if I know that's there. If I know that's there. I have a foot to stand on. I have a standing. Amen. That's why you'll see sometimes the Supreme Court, they say we're not going to hear that case because it violates the Constitution. Amen. Or they'll rule in favor of someone because they'll say it's in the Constitution. Right? So you have to know what the Constitution says, if you're going to argue that case. John says that the first thing that I have to do is understand that if I ask anything 
according to His will. He hears me. What does the will say? What does the Word say? When, when, when you are praying, when you are, when you are, when you are uh, approaching God, he, here's the thing. You always approach Him on the basis of His Word. What does His Word say about that circumstance? Now that seems elementary, but that affects your standing. It affects your standing. Because you can stand at the throne of grace with the Word of God and be heard. If I'm praying contrary to the Word, I'm not being heard. If I'm not praying in line with the Word, I'm not being heard. When someone makes a prayer like this, and it's simple, but, but it, it bears uh, uh, the illustration. When someone makes a statement like this, Father, you know, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to heal me if it be your will. God didn't hear that prayer. Th- that person has no standing in the throne room. Because they did not come on the basis of the Word. You understand? And so their standing is affected. Their standing is affected. In in Psalm 138, Psalm 138 and verse 2, we understand this verse a little little more when we look at this. Because uh, notice what it says here. In Psalm 138 and verse 2, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. See, so John said, when I come to him, I need to come with knowledge of his word because at the throne of grace, the word is exalted. What the word says. I come on the basis of the word. Standing on the basis of the word. Now, I think sometimes that, that many believers, spiritual believers, charismatic believers, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call us, that we hear so much good teaching on our right standing with God that we don't understand our standing with God. Amen. In uh, James 5, and this is where we will uh, we'll hang out for a little bit. James 5, and uh, you know these, these verses, but for the sake of, uh, of a time, we'll, we'll uh, look at verse uh, 15, or 16, excuse me. Confess your faults one to another, pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the King James says it avails much. The the Amplified Bible says it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now, hold on right there and see this. This is God talking about you. Because you are righteous. And he says the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It avails much. See, this is, this is my standing. When I'm at the throne of grace with the word in my mouth, things are changing because it avails much. And notice he said, pray one for another. And he said, why? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified says, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Well, dynamic in its working for who? Makes that power available for who? Whoever you're standing for. Whoever you're standing for. Amen. Do you see that? Very often, people don't recognize their standing with God, that, that what they can make available to the person that they're standing for. My wife says it this way. She says, you're just stocking the shelves. You're stocking the shelves. You're there and you're stocking the shelves by your willingness 
to utilize your standing with God. There are people in here, that there are people in your lives, uh, maybe relatives or friends or whoever, and they're not in a position to change things themselves, but you can utilize your standing and make power available for them. Amen. Amen. You remember the story Brother Hagen told, and he talked about this, this man who was his Sunday school superintendent, and, uh, and he was up on the, on, on the oil derrick. He worked in the oil fields, and he fell off that oil rig and fell into some machinery. And, and they, they got him out, and they brought the doctor, and the doctor, Brother Hagen was there, and the doctor said, I don't even want to move him because I don't think he'll make the ride to the hospital. But finally, I guess he improved a little bit or got stable or whatever, and, and, they, and they, they took him and took him to the hospital. And Brother Hagen just stayed up there with him, stayed, stayed up there night after night after night, slept in the room. Amen. And he said, I'd be, I'd be there in the room. And he'd say, I'd hear, him, I'd hear him start gasping for air. I'd hear him start going. And he said, I'd get up and walk the hall. And I'd say, no, Lord, he can't go yet. He can't go yet because I need him. Amen. He said, Lord, he's the best Sunday school superintendent I've ever had. Amen. He visits people. He goes and visits their houses. Lord, he gives, he gives 30% of his income into the church. Lord, we need him. He can't go yet. He can't go yet. And he said things would level out and he'd go back in, in the room and the same thing would happen sometime later and he'd get up and go and go through that whole process again. Well, you know, that man came back, came out of that coma and gave the testimony in church and the testimony in church was this. He said, I died, I went to heaven. And he said, I was there, I was talking to Jesus and he said, Jesus said, you got to go back. Now he had to be made to go back. Nobody that you ever see in the Bible that ever went to heaven wanted to come back. Now, the flip side of that is everybody that went to hell wanted out. So go to heaven. Don't go to hell. Amen. Right? But Jesus said, you got to go back. And he said, why? I don't want to go back. He said, you've got to go back. And he said, why? And he said, it was like there was a curtain. And Jesus turned and pulled the curtain and he said, he pointed, and Brother Hagen was in the hallway of the hospital, and he said, because Brother Hagen's praying, you got to go back. What was that? Just a man that knew his standing. Because listen, it wasn't God's will for that man to go that way. Right? God didn't knock him off that oil derrick and knock him into that machinery. Amen. I, I, I'll tell you this. As believers, we, we, listen, we fight and we fight and we fight and we hold on. Amen. We never let go. If, if somebody chooses to go on to heaven, that's their choice. But they're not going to go to heaven because we gave up. Because we quit. Amen. It's a good place to say amen. Because we know our standing. We know our standing. And James said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It makes tremendous power available. Now there are people who say, well, you know, some of our critics have said, well, y'all just act like you can boss God around. Well, I mean, that's silly. Nobody can boss God around. He's God. But if I come to Him on the basis of, of the word that he gave me. The Bible says he cannot deny himself. He can't. And so when I come on the basis of the word, this is what the word says. This is what your word declares. Amen. Hallelujah. When you're, when you're standing in the gap for your children, when you're standing in that place of intercession for your family members and for your children. You're never there out of a sense of desperation. You're never there out of a sense of, you know, what am I going to do if it doesn't happen? That, that's, that's not going on the basis of the Word. Standing and being, being at the throne of grace and standing there is not a pleading with God to do something. It's there enforcing what God already promised to do. So if we can say intercession, it's not a pleading with God 
to do something he doesn't want to do. It's putting God in remembrance of what he already promised. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And so, right? So if I'm, stand, if I'm standing for a child, you know, the Bible says that the promise that God gave me was to me and to my children. Hallelujah. Je- Je- Jeremiah says that he would bring your children from the land of the enemy. Amen. Isaiah said that he would bring them and they would sit down by the water courses and one would call himself by the name of Jacob and the other would call himself by the name of God and that your descendants would know God. Amen. Isaiah said the captives of the mighty will be taken and the prey of the terrible will be, will be taken. But it said, I will contend with them that contend with you and I will save your children. So when I go to God, if that's what I'm, I'm standing for, I go to God. God did not say that because someone made him. He said, I will save your children because he wants my children saved. But in the New Testament and under the New Covenant, he needs somebody to cooperate and use their standing to affect the, the placement of his word. Did, do you see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It's, it, listen, God, God cannot operate independent of our cooperation. You follow me? He needs somebody that knows their standing to open the door. Amen. God will put churches in cities... He will put people in cities. And, and, and I'm, I'm learning more about this as I move forward. I don't know all of it yet. But I'm, I'm understanding this, that there are portals that open in the Spirit when people are where they need to be. Paul talked about that. He talked about effectual doors being opened. He talked about adversaries, but the door was open. He talked about going to Troas, and he said, uh, 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 an effectual door was open to me so that I could proclaim the gospel. Now, 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 why is this important? Because if I know I'm there and a door has opened, a, a realm of the Spirit has opened, then that means that I have a place of standing with God. I can affect change in that city. Hallelujah. I can affect change in my neighborhood. I can affect change in my family. Amen. Because I understand why I'm there. I... I've got to be cautious. I hear so much goofiness nowadays. Just goofy. I don't mean weird. Goofy. Should I say it again? Goofy. I mean, people, people talk about how they're standing with rods and pointing them towards the Capitol and pointing them towards Washington and we're going to change things. Dear God, put down the rod and get in prayer. I, I, I realize, I realize, you know, that Moses stretched his rod out over the Red Sea and the Red Sea opened. But I also realize that he was dealing with a group of people that had to see outward signs. They had to see something that they could feel and that they could, they could, that was tangible to them. They were not spiritually alive. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told to, to point rods at city capitals, state capitals, and affect change. We're told that we affect change by pulling down the strongholds, pulling down the strong man over that city, and opening up a portal of victory. This, this is so important. Amen. This, this is so important. And, 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 and I'm going to get into this more in a minute. And, and now you've got the whole chorus talking about how America's days are numbered and, and, and oh my God, and, and all these different things. Listen, I know, I know that our nation 
has made some bad choices. Horrible choices. I mean, and I've preached about it at length. If you were here before the elections, you know I preached on it strong. All right? But here, here's, here's the point. With all of our problems, all of them, we still fund 85% of the gospel to the world. Amen. And you'll hear people saying, well, God has turned His back on America. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Well, you know, we, 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 we've reached the edge or whatever. Listen, I understand all the things that are going on in our nation. And, and I'm a righteous, holy man. I don't agree with it. You, you know I don't agree with abortion. I don't agree with homosexual marriage. I don't agree with transgenderism. I don't agree. Those are sins. They are despicable in the eyes of God. But here's what else I know. That you, when you say America's days are over, then you don't have much faith in your standing with God. Dr. Dufresne used to make a statement all the time when he was in the earth. And he would say this. He would say, he would say you know, it's been prophesied that California is going to fall off into the ocean and all these different things. And he said, that can't happen because there's covenant people in, in California. And you want to talk about goofy. If you've ever been to California, I can show you goofy. They are weird before daylight. Amen. But, but, but here, here's, here's my point. Don't ever discount your standing. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll, I'll show you this. Look at Isaiah 1. Am I helping you? I believe I am. Isaiah 1. And this, again, is a familiar scripture, but... It, it means there are things that we can read in the Old Testament and understand because we're New Testament, New Covenant believers that when it was written and prophesied, they didn't understand it completely. But we can because we're looking at it from the cross. Isaiah 1 and 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Now let's hang on right there for a moment. So God, the Lord is saying, let's reason together. Mm. Right? Well, that didn't make sense to the average Old Testament believer. Because, Because they didn't have any approach to God. They approached God through the high priest. They approached God through the sacrifice. He says, come let us reason Together, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But notice, a man with standing can reason with God. Hallelujah. Do, Do you see that? I have a place of negotiation, if I can put it that way. Because I come to Him with His Word, and because I'm in right standing with Him, my presence at the throne matters. Praise God. That's why He said when you have an issue, that you come to the throne of grace boldly. Not arrogantly, not flippantly, boldly, with a sense of belonging. I belong here. This is where I belong. I'm supposed to be here. This is my Father's throne. And He told me to come boldly. I'm not reasoning trying to change God's mind. I'm putting Him in remembrance of His Word. I'm acting on what He said. Hallelujah. Now, there are several Old Testament instances of that. But, but two that come to mind right away is, is uh, 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 of course, when Moses interceded for the people of Israel. They, they, they had gone and began to worship the, the golden calf and, and got into all kinds of idolatry. And God, and God told Moses, He said, just get out from among them. I'm going to take care of all of them and I'll start over with you. 
Hmm. Well, you know, Moses had to be meek. Because every time you see that they, that they murmured against God, it says, and Moses. And the people murmured against God and Moses. But remember what Moses did? He said, no, not now, Lord, you can't do that. Now, understand what I'm saying here. A man withstanding went to the throne and said, you made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, remember your covenant. Well, God didn't forget. God didn't forget. He needed somebody to care about those people. They didn't care about themselves. There are people in your lives, they don't care how they're living. They need somebody to care about their end result. And that's got to be us. There are people in your neighborhood, they don't care what's going on in their life. They're not living for eternity. They're thinking only about today. And they need somebody, whether you ever talk to them or not, whether you ever speak to them face to face or not, they need somebody that will go to God and say, Father, I'm standing at the throne of grace in my right standing with you, and I'm asking you to save my neighbor. I'm asking you to save the guy across the street. Lord, I may not know them, but I'm asking you to affect change in their life. Why? You did not just put me in this neighborhood so I could have a nice house and a nice yard and a good place to live. You put me here because I'm a man withstanding. I'm a man withstanding. Your children may not understand the standing you have with God. But you can make your standing known by helping affect change in their life. And notice what it says about Moses. We're not going there. You can can look it up. But it makes this statement. It says, and God repented of the evil. Now, Now, that's the King James. It just means he changed his mind. Why did he change his mind? Somebody was standing. So, amen. Do do you see this? And so anything that may happen, for instance, in the lives of our loved ones that that may not be godly, we know that God isn't doing it. God's not behind it. Amen. But if somebody withstanding will get in that position, they can stock the shelves. They can make a door of of, an exit door available. They, they, They can make a way for that person to see the light. I, I, I pray about my children and I say, now ministering spirits, I send you and I ask you to put things in operation whereby my children will hear the gospel, whereby they will hear the truth of the Word of God. Yeah. For most of them, I don't have to pray that hard anymore. But here's, here's the point. Here's the point. I'm using my standing as their dad yeah. to affect change. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when you look at the story of Jonah, people will say, you know, the, what Jonah affected. I, I'm going to tell you something. Jonah just preached. He wasn't standing for nobody. He didn't want to be there. Matter of fact, after he preached, he went out and got a place on the hill to watch the fireworks. <laughs> right? But notice, notice, somebody got busy. The king. He said, wait a minute, we've heard the word. Let's fast, let's pray, put on sackcloth. Maybe we can change this thing. Right? That's what God wanted. He wanted somebody to hear the word and change. And, And he used Jonah, even though Jonah was unwilling and didn't want to be there. Right? But he figured it was better than another whale ride. Or a fish ride, however it is. Right? Isaiah says, let's reason 
together. You know, you know what that means is, is it's, it's, it's a legal term. Let, let's, it's, it's like two lawyers getting together and comparing notes. Let's look at this. And, and, and notice, if you come into that legal briefing unprepared, you got nothing to reason with. But if I come in with notes and I'm prepared, I got something to reason with. My standing. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is don't sell yourself short. Because you're not just praying. You're praying in your authority. You're praying as a person with legal access to the throne of grace. Amen. Look, look at uh, Genesis 18. Oh, glory. And that's something that uh, the Lord has been putting on my heart is, is these doors. And, and I don't go a lot into it because I'm, I'm still learning it myself. But those doors that are open. For, for the word to be proclaimed, for victory to be pronounced. And here in Genesis 18, uh, notice verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And he goes on and talks about the righteousness of Abraham. And he says in verse 20, the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is grievous, very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. Now, God, God knew. He said, I'm going to investigate. Now, this ought to show you that God is not quick to judge. We don't know how long this had went on. But it tells us God is not snap in His judgment. Oh, that's it for you. Right? Thank God He's not that way. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, He said, and if not, I will know. Now this is something to see. The if not in verse 21 gave Abraham the hope he needed to use his standing with God to try to change this. It's important. And he goes on and says, Abraham, verse 23, drew near. A man was standing. And he asked, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And you know the story. He goes through there and talks about if there's 50. And notice something. What it calls God in verse 25. Shall not the judge of the, all the earth do right? You have legal standing in front of the judge of all the earth. And know what, notice what Abraham said. He will do right. I don't have to convince God to do right. There are times the people that need God to do right to them need my help in seeing it. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And I got to use my standing. Have, have you ever had somebody... That had an N, you know, we call it an N, not an I-N-N, an N, you know, with a company or with a group or with somebody that you needed information from. And you might call them and say, hey, can you help me? And they'd say, yeah, I'm, I'll call so-and-so and, and, and set it up or whatever. Well, he put you in connection. He put you in contact with the person that had the information. Is that right? Yeah. Hallelujah. 
Whoever you're praying for knows a person with an N at the throne of grace. Don't, don't ever take that lightly. They may not know it, but they do. Glory to God. Amen. He's the judge of all the earth. And he went all the way down to ten. I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Now I've heard different people say, well, if Lot would have done his job and and all these different things. Well, I mean, (laughs) the Bible says Lot was righteous. Isn't it interesting? The Bible never says his wife was righteous or his kids were righteous. Never says that. The Bible says in the New Testament, righteous Lot, that Lot vexed his righteous soul by observing all the wickedness that was going on in in the city. And and I've heard people say, well, if Lot would have been doing his job, there's some things to see about Lot. Number one, Lot probably should have never been there. But he he looked at outward circumstances instead of quelling the, the, the stopping his herdmen from being in a dispute with Abraham's, he let it go on. Amen. Secondly, he became so involved with the the culture that he almost became a part of it. He was in the gate. He, He was one of the main men in the city. He called those people that were, that were, that... He called those people that wanted to have sexual relations, those men with angels, he called them brothers. Amen. So that tells me something. Lot did not have the standing Abraham had. But the man with standing came and interceded for the man that wasn't even aware of what was going to happen. And God, God sent those angels, yes, to destroy the city, but He sent them early to get Lot and his family out. Why did He do that? Because a righteous man who was righteous by faith stood before the judge of all the earth and asked Him to do it. But I run into Christians, they say, well, you know, my child's doing this or this, but what can I do? You can take the word to the righteous judge of all the earth. See, notice what it says. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? A man with standing said, it is not right. To not get the righteous out of there. Amen. Well, there's only one. (laughs) I mean, his two daughters got out of there too. And you can see how unrighteous they were when you read the whole story. But but the point is, it was one man. And, And hear me. This is a man that's not even born again. But he has a covenant with God. A covenant based on natural things. Natural blood. Outward indications. But because he would believe God, he could stand in God's presence and ask God. And notice something. He asked God, if you find ten righteous, will you spare, watch, the city? Not the ten. The city. Isn't that right? Verse 26. If I find in Sodom 50 righteous, I will spare the place. Verse 31. I will not destroy it for 20's sake. Verse 32. I will not destroy it for 10's sake. The city. The city. For 10 righteous, I'll spare that city. Hallelujah. Yeah, but you don't know what my child's doing or what my... Listen, God, he would spare the city for ten righteous. 
Amen. Hallelujah. And that's, and that's why you can't give up. And that, that's why you can't throw in the towel. Amen. You just, can't, you, you just can't do it. Glory to God. I've known people before. I've known family before. So I'm not praying for them no more. I'm giving up on them. And right here in, in my mind, in my heart, I'm thinking, well, I'm not. Because where would I be if everybody had given up on me? Amen. Somebody withstanding. Right? So important. Now, look at Luke 22. Oh, glory. I'm almost done. Luke 22. And, and I want you to understand what I mean about standing. We know we're righteous. But we've got to understand our ability to stand at the throne of grace and make intercession for those that don't know. Remember what God told Jonah? He said, uh, the, remember the gourd died, the, 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 the little plant died, and Jonah got upset because his, his head... His head got hot. That's <laughs> what the Bible says. You know, the, the sun beat down on his head. He's bald-headed, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, and he got upset, got mad at God about it. And, God, and basically God said this, wasn't this great? You're upset about a gourd that you had nothing to do with. Nothing. Nothing to do with. It came up in the night and went in the night, and you had nothing to do with it. And you don't care about this city of 120,000 people that don't know their right hand from their left. You know, we should want to stand in the gap for ignorant people. The people in our nation and in our cities, they don't know how close they are to destruction. We do. And it's time that we not only trumpet from our pulpits how bad people are living and how wrong they're living, we need to start motivating and unifying and mobilizing believers to get busy and use our standing to change some things. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I'm old enough to remember thing in, in the 80s. Many of you are too. I'm, I'm old enough to remember things like March for Jesus. Amen. John and, and, and uh, uh, Ann Jimenez from the Rock Church in, in uh, uh, Virginia Beach put on that March for Jesus and, and millions of people went to Washington and interceded and, and made a difference. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And people say, well, we just had this thing, you know, the call. And, and, the, and look, I'm not against that. I watched it and some of it blessed me. But, but listen, here's so much of what I heard. I heard so much of people saying, oh, God, we've missed it. And God, we repent. And as the church, we repent. I'm going to be very honest with you. I have nothing to repent for where my nation is concerned. I've held my nation up with prayer. I've taught my churches to hold my nation up with prayer. I live holier on accident than most people do on purpose. Amen. I can say this now. I don't even drink coffee. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now that's no indication you shouldn't. Although Andrew Womack says anybody that drinks coffee is proof that the Bible's true because if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. And so, now I'm not saying that. He said that. But, right? Here, here's my point. Is, 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 is we take that scripture in Chronicles Seven, first Chron Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Amen. But notice who he was talking to. He was talking to a group of his people that went away from him. It was to the nation of Israel. Are you following me? And I, and Solomon asked him, "What do we do?" If the heavens are closed up and there's no rain and our crops won't grow. He said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The church, is we're not full of wicked ways. That's not a scripture to the church. It's to Israel. 
And that's still what they need to do, is turn to Jesus. Now, I know there's a, there's a setting for that, and, and by, God will let you use the Scripture out of context and get results. <laughs> because it's His Word. But we have sta- they did not have standing with God to approach Him and change things. We do. The Bible tells us what we're supposed to do. Pray for all men for kings and all that are in authority, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's our job. Amen. Why why do we pray for the kings? Why are we not on our face repenting? Because we have standing and we can change it. Well, I'm not going to say that just yet. You find Luke 22? Amen. I think, where'd it go? There it is. Verse 31. And the Lord said to Simon, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, it means, look, listen to me, pay attention. Satan has desired, the King James says, to have you, Satan has desired you, for what purpose? That he may sift you as wheat. And notice what Jesus didn't say. And I'm going to let him take his best shot just so you can learn something. Is that right? No. Notice what he said. I've prayed for you. Oh, my Lord. Now watch. Jesus, at this point, was the only righteous man in the earth. Only, only... We, we could say it this way. Jesus was not born again because he was, he was uh, unsaved. The Bible says he was the firstborn from the dead. At this point, he's the only man spiritually alive on the earth. And he receives revelation knowledge. Now, Satan wants to have Peter to sift him. And look what he said. I prayed for you. I prayed for you. What does that tell us? When we know the enemy's working in somebody's life, what do we do? Get in our place of standing and pray for them and change things. Notice what he said. He said, I've changed this. And when you're converted, when, 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 when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Amen. When you're converted, I prayed that your faith doesn't fail, and it didn't. He denied Jesus three times. He ran like all the rest of them. But when they found out he was alive, he came right back. His faith didn't fail. What does that mean? You might be standing. Jesus stood in the gap for Peter and used his standing to stand in the gap for Peter. And it still looked like Jesus' prayer had failed. I mean, wouldn't you think that? I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And then he denied him three times. Looked like his faith failed to me. But it didn't. Because God kept working with him. Hallelujah. Right now, those people you've been praying for, God is still working. And when it looks like it's not working, you stood in the gap. You stood at the throne of grace. And with, with the law, with the Word, with the Bible. And He said, whatever you ask according to my will, I will hear you and I will do that. Yeah. Don't underestimate your standing. Hallelujah. Amen. And, 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 and that's why, that's why, and, and, and I, I want to be cautious. I've been telling my wife for weeks Maybe, maybe, maybe months, but I want to say for sure for weeks. And I've been saying this. Things are not what people are saying they are. And you know, everything that the Lord shows me, I don't talk about it. I don't preach it. I thank God for that. But here's the thing. I see so many believers giving up. I, I, I get an email from a certain ministry and I finally quit reading the email because it's all, it's, it's hee-haw email. 
gloom, despair, and agony on me. That's all it is. I mean, you open the email and you can hear, oh, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, some of y'all are old enough to remember that, right? You know? Our business is change things. Our business is change things. Because what, what has happened? With, with all the negativity. What's being lost is we still have a tremendous opportunity and chance for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. Don't give up. Yeah, but we have the most, we have the most pro-choice, you know, if that's, that's, that's a nice way of putting it, uh, administration ever. Yeah? And the three Hebrew children stood before the most murderous king ever. And they stood before him as people were standing with God. Right? And they said, if, 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 if you throw us in the furnace, we're not bowing. And then they said, and if not, in other words, if you don't, we're still not bowing. And did God deliver them? If the righteous won't back off on what we know is right, and will not quit acting like we should act, The Bible says in the book of Daniel, it says the righteous will shine like the stars in heaven. It also says this, that in the last days there will be problems and issues, but the righteous will be bold as a lion. And I don't just believe that is with people, that's with our God. And it says we'll do exploits. Don't give up. Don't give up on your nation. Don't give up on your government. Don't give up on a change. Amen. Yeah, but you know, a lot of damage can be done in four years. Yeah, and a lot of good can happen in four years. You've got to decide what you believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, but pastor, these are dark days. I know. And and if you'll you'll allow me this, uh, (laughs) I, I... I want to show you something because uh, Isaiah chapter 60, and and I'll try to close with this. You know, just saying these are dark days is like walking in this sanctuary and the lights are out and you go, boy, sure is dark in here. Uh Uh-huh. But there's a light switch. Right? You just got to flip the light on. And what do you do when you flip the light on? Come on in. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness will cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and His glory shall be seen upon you. So he says, through Isaiah, the Holy Spirit through Isaiah, says when gross darkness covers the earth, that you need to let your light shine and the glory of God will be seen on you. That we're taking our standing seriously. Amen. I've been telling my wife for weeks, something good's about to happen. Something good is about to happen. And if I knew everything, I'd tell you what I know. But I'm telling you, something good is about to happen. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to give you a, a, a brief warning. And, 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 and I'm going to get you out of here as quickly as I can. You've got to be so selective who you're listening to. And I'm going to say it this way. You need to quit listening to people just because they tag themselves a prophet. We, we got in trouble. We got in trouble in that election. I heard so many people making this statement. Oh, I'm not worried about it. We got it. And I'm going to tell you something. The church quit praying. I, you, you do whatever you want to do with that. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. I believe there was massive deception in that election. And I personally believe that the incumbent president won the election. I personally believe that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. 
That's, that's not what I do. If you knew me, that's not my nature. I despise conspiracy theories. But here's, here's the point. I believe it happened. And I believe there was massive deception that hid the fact. Amen. Now, people will say, well, why didn't that change? Was the righteous as a whole taking our place and our standing to change that? Or were there just people that thought there's no way he can lose? Now, here's what I want you to see, too. Mr. Trump was never my Messiah. Right? I, I, I never put my hope in him as, as our, for our nation. So when I say that, I'm not saying that as a Republican or a, a pro-Trumper. I'm saying out of, out of the two candidates, he was definitely the lesser of two evils. Right? Well, here's, here's the point. Here's the point. So I'm not saying that from the standpoint, oh, oh we had to have him or, or things are just going to go bad. Here, here's what I'm saying. If that's the case, how do we need to be praying that that deception would be shown? The Lord's had me, had me praying for almost over a year now that the, the sword of the tongue of deceit would be dulled and the sword of the tongue of truth would be sharpened. This issue in our government is really thin. I mean, this, this is how I know to say it. And, and again, I, I, don't, I don't understand it all, but it's, it's like it's, it's this thin. It's paper thin. You can almost see through it. It's thin. That's, that's what I keep seeing in my spirit. And the Lord said to me one day, He said, it would only take a large gust of wind to blow the whole thing over. Because remember that lies and deception, lies and deception are never solid. For there to be lies and deception, there has to be holes. But don't give up. And and when I say this, it's with the understanding that I realize there are a lot of Bad things going on in our nation. But I truly believe that some of the best days are ahead of us. I believe there's a move of God for our nation. And here's, and here's why. Because, and people will say, oh, thank you, Lord, I'll say that. People will say, well, are we going to have to go underground? Are they going to take all of our rights away? Are, are we going to? No, no. Because the Bible doesn't say that's how the church is going out of here. We're going out of here in a blaze of glory. Amen. And, and here's what people will ask me. They say, will life ever get back to normal? And I'll hear people say, well, define normal. Well, you know what normal is. Here, here's what I can tell you. Before one of the most cataclysmic events ever, the most cataclysmic event in history, the second coming of Jesus. It's as it will be like the days of Noah, that people will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They'll just be going on with their life. The Bible says during the tribulation period, and remember the tribulation period, that, that tribulation, it does parts of it, it doesn't affect the whole world. It affects parts of the world. You read the Bible, you'll see that. And, and here's the thing. It says that, that people are having parties in the tribulation. When the two witnesses die, they send gifts to each other and celebrate. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. Will life get back to normal? Well, you've got to define that. Will people get back to the way of life they once had? Yep. Listen, already you see this. Already you see it. I'm, I'm seeing people loosening up. I don't know if you are, but I am. Amen. I'm, I'm, you know, and it can be for a number of reasons. Some, some of them are, are loose because they got the vaccine. Well, praise God, whatever it takes to make you loose. 
or whatever. And, and, and I'm not against that. But here's, here's the point. Don't give up your standing. Whoever is in the White House, Scripture still says their heart can be turned. And I've learned a lot. I've, I've learned a lot from my wife. I've learned a lot from her about praying. She's learned a lot from me. But you know what she prays? She prays for our president. She just, she just prays, Lord, save him. Lord, send somebody with the gospel. Why? Because the first thing we got to care about is his soul. None of these other things are going to change if he doesn't change. Well, I don't know if there's any hope for that. Well, I know they said the same thing about you. But here you are. Amen. The Bi- I preached a message years ago, and, and I took my text where it says, the, Bi- the Bible talks about where there is breath, there's hope. And it went on and said this, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. Isn't that great? We're still here. We are still in many facets, a godly nation. We, we are still in a state where our legislature is still voting for godly laws and pro-life laws. Amen. We still have freedom to come together and worship. Don't give that up by giving your standing over to the plan of the enemy. No, sir. It's not happening on our watch. Not happening on our watch. Glory be to God. Amen. Well, let's stand up, shall we? I pray you got something out of that tonight. Amen. Hallelujah.